You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. All right, we're back on Money Talk, and uh, we've got two of our regular superstars. Uh, if you see a star in the East, uh, you don't have to follow it. You can catch the stars right here on Money Talk. Uh, you guys, I'm working the Christmas angle hard today. That laughter you hear is coming at us all the way from the United States of America. That's Barry Wood, RTHK's international economics correspondent. Uh, good morning. Good night, Barry. Good morning to you, and uh, you're on fire, Andrew. Oh, yeah, it's Christmas, and I'm <laughs> jacked up on the Christmas caffeine, so let's do it. Stuart Aldcroft, uh, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant, is joining us as well. Good to have you back, Stuart. Yeah, ho, 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 so are you, Andrew? Ho, ho. <laughs> so, guys, um, you know, we're, we want to do a little bit of a 2023 wrap-up, a 2024 look ahead, but I do want to touch on what's happening in the Red Sea, uh, off the coast of Yemen with the Houthi rebels. Uh, this is a multidimensional story. Um, Barry, you're in Washington. What is the take? The United States has gathered a, an international coalition to try and combat this, but what, what is the buzz in Washington about how they're going to react to this threat to global trade? Well, I guess I'm something of a minority person in this. I think that uh, what Lloyd Austin has put together is significant, but it's more significant for what's not in it. Uh, so he's got 10 countries that say that they will use their ships, which are all posted in Djibouti, which is the former French territory that uh, is very nearby to Yemen and Aden. And they're all going to say, we're not going to attack the coast of Yemen, but we're going to shoot down all the drones and make sure that it's safe for shipping. You played a clip from Maersk saying, you know, that's not good enough for us. And I think the significant omission is the absence of Saudi Arabia and Egypt. They are the principal players, if you look at the map of the Red Sea on either side, and they're not part of this. Why? Because they want to give at least tacit support to the Palestinian uprising or the, the Hamas um, issue in, in Gaza. So there you are. That's significant. However, look, the super tankers, the biggest ones, cannot get through the Gulf anyway. And yes, there are 50 ships a day that transit the Gulf, and most of those ships are going to continue. Maersk, of course, is a huge operator, and, and that's not to be minimized that if they're saying we're not going to go there. But the super tankers always go around, and the super tankers mostly go out of the Gulf into Asia. So I don't think it's going to have that much impact on shipping, but I may be wrong. Are, are the oil tankers that do go through there, are these kind of the smaller, dodgy ones that might be transporting uh, illicit Russian oil or Iranian oil that's currently under embargo? I mean, are they going to take uh, an oversized hit from this that maybe they hadn't anticipated? Iran especially, because they're backing the Houthis with this weaponry. Well, I'll tell you, Andrew, I don't know much about that. And, and, you know, it's very opaque what goes on with shipping, because when you're talking about tankers, that oil can be sold, bought while it's on board and at sea. So I, I can't speak about whether any Russian oil is going through there. I would rather guess there must be some, but not much. Mm. But it's not a huge entrepot for uh, the, the oil coming out of the Persian Gulf. Mm. 
Okay, yeah. Stuart? Well, I'm I'm slightly at odds with Barry on this. I do think this is I do think this is going to cause fairly big disruption to the oil trade. We we know that BP, for example, one of the the big companies, has now stopped transporting oil through the Red Sea. Um, we wait to hear what Shell has to say, the biggest, um, and, and see what they do. And I, the consequence of that is quite likely that they have to take it around uh, uh, the bottom of South Africa. That adds quite a long time and cost to shipping generally, and that will inevitably put up the cost of oil at the pump. So, uh, and that and that can be an inflationary uh, increase too. So we we need to be a little bit concerned about that. Uh, secondly, yeah, I, um, I, I don't disagree with what you say, Stuart. Okay, uh, it is potentially ominous. Yeah, but it's not there yet. No, and the oil and, prices and, and are friendly. Potentially is on the this. right word be- to use because we, we there's yeah. nothing certain at this at this stage. Um, yeah, we know and, that and we're, Lloyd we're Austin, at a the U.S. Weak oil price at the moment has, below eighty dollars. So oh, there's some distance they have yet to travel. Yeah. yeah. Um, we know that Lloyd Austin, the U.S. Defense Secretary, has put together this consortium, if you like, of ten countries that will aim to shoot down drones. But you know, it's quite a big area, the Red Sea, and uh, and and it's not going to be that easy to to find them. And and the whole point of drones is that they're quite small and are quite capable of avoiding a lot of the the tracking that might occur. So. But, but the real issue is if one of these drones eventually attacks one of the military assets, if you like to call it that, you know, a U.S. warship, a, a European warship, if, if, it, if it attacks that, that will change the dynamic of this whole business very, very rapidly indeed. Uh, so I think that's yes, what we right need to that. be worried about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, here's, here's one for you guys. So right now you've got uh, multi-million dollar anti, uh, anti-missile systems shooting down drones that cost ten thousands of dollars the 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 mismatch is great the shipping yes. companies are saying oh uh, you have to defend us because it's going to cost us so much more to go around but i'm sure that the u.s and the other allies are going to be like you know how much it costs us every time we got to shoot down one of these things to protect you is i mean is there going to be a i mean i might be front running the news a little bit but at some point people are going to wake up and be like how much are we spending to protect these guys why don't they just go pay and go the long way around it's cheaper well, yes and no, but then you, you, you could take that argument on to what's going on with uh, uh, Israel and uh, Palestine and also to Ukraine and Russia. So, you know, I think it's, uh, uh, do, do we really want wars around the world? Do we really want countries being invaded by others? Um, you know, the whole thing is uh, ultimately an aim to stop that sort of thing happening. Yeah, I mean, when they were just fighting off a couple of guys in rubber dinghies with machine guns, it was relatively cheap. You yes, know, put some water exactly. cannons in your container ship. But I mean, like I said, they're using multi-million dollar missiles to shoot down $10,000 yes, yeah. drones. But at least it's military practice, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So guys, so guys. I mean, th- uh, let's let's use that as a as a as a uh, slide into your predictions for 2024. This is this is clearly a case of a a local regional scrap now turning into a you know a, a kind of a lo- even a one country scrap turning into a regional economic impact. Uh, what are your predictions for 2024? More or less of that? And what are other high points and flash points we should be looking for, Stuart? Uh. I'll, I'll start then. Um, well, clearly we've got two, two uh, military wars going on, and then there'll be a political war 
uh, in a number of different places as well. So I think 2024 will be a year of considerable uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, it would be nice to think that uh, both the military wars, Israel-Palestine, Russia-Ukraine, um, could be solved or settled in some way that uh, these don't happen any longer. We'd love to see the end of that. Mm -hmm. But there doesn't seem to be very much that is capable of putting an end to that because both sides, in both of them, are very, very entrenched. We have um, U.S. presidential election, we have a U.K. prime minister or government election, and also a number of other elections in the European community um, going on next year, all of which will probably have a fairly unsettling effect on, on many people in the world of finance. Um, which way it will go is very hard to say. But the good thing is that if you've been invested in America particularly, you will be you will almost certainly be sitting on profits, and there is never a bad time to take a profit, and now is probably one of the best. We used to have Andrew Ferris on the show a lot, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure he's on from time to time when mm. I'm not on, uh, and he is very keen on defense stocks. <laughs> and, I mean, and I guess the other one to watch is uh, Venezuela is now threatening to invade and try to take, take over two-thirds of Guyana, so there could be another one there. But, I mean, the economic lessons that these countries should be taking, I mean, Russia hasn't profited. Israel and Hamas are both going to, you know, come out of this for the worse. I mean, uh, you know, you would think countries would be taking the lesson that, you know, there's no winning in this, you know, which <laughs> should be obvious. But Well, that is obvious, but it isn't the way that um, some of these political leaders like to think. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe Azerbaijan thinks they got a win taking over the Armenian enclave uh, while, yeah. while Russia's yeah. distracted. That, I guess that could be, somebody could consider a win. Barry, uh, predictions for 2024. Yes, yes. Well, if, if Stuart's watchword is uncertainty, mine is going to be somewhat different. I, I'm always delighted when we disagree. Uh, I've got four, Andrew. One, the United States economy will continue to outperform. There will be no U.S. recession. Ooh, Two, bold. I like it. In November 2024, voters in America will elect a new president and his or her name will not be Biden or Trump. Three. What? China and oh, yeah, okay. Japan's economy will grow briskly in 2024, a rebound. And four, there will be a resolution to the Ukraine-Russia war. Those are all, like, you know, bold, 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 bold. <laughs> one, two, three, four. I don't even know which one I want to pick on first. Okay, not Biden or Trump, a, a genuinely new I mean, if David Cameron can come back into the UK uh, cabinet, you know, maybe some other retread for US, or you think there's going to be a totally no, no, why are you ruling out, let's start with, why are you ruling out Trump, who is right now, uh, every poll says that he's going to be the Republican nominee and that he would beat Biden in a head, head to head. Why not Trump? Oh, I think when people step into the voting booth, they will reflect on his um, indictments, his trials, perhaps he'll even be in jail, and that will give them pause. But I'm on the weakest, thinnest ice when it comes to that prediction about Trump not being uh, elected. But on Biden, I think that's easier because um, uh, he's just perceived to be too old, and I think there will be many opportunities. There will be an opportunity for him to yield. I don't know who's going to be president, but I do, I'm pretty sure it will neither be Biden nor Trump. No, no stated challengers for the Democratic primary yet. 
That's right. But uh, let's not forget what Gavin Newsom did in China. I mean, Xi Jinping must think he's got some potential. He saw him. Um, and of course, um, Gavin Newsom went to the Tesla factory in, in Shanghai, and he certainly acted like he was an ambitious politician, despite what he says. Sure. And his debate with uh, his debate with DeSantis the other night for no other particular reason. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, okay. So okay. So we we've got a we've got a couple of good ones there. I think your Trump narrative has got some support with the Colorado court <laughs> ruling that Trump cannot stand in uh, Colorado, cannot be on the ballot for the Electoral College in Colorado, which, which went very Biden in the last election anyways, but uh, interesting. Yes, but don't forget, this is not even 2024 yet. Mm -hmm. uh, appeals and that kind of thing, and you know, maybe yeah. he won't be on the ballot there, but that will boost his popularity, let's not forget that. True, true, um, and he wasn't gonna win Colorado anyways. Uh, so, Stuart, I'm gonna give you a chance, you said uncertainty, but I mean, come on, give me, give me some hard predictions. Give me, some, uh, give me something to put my teeth into here. Well, yeah, I, and if, if one wants to look at the sort of the economic side of things, stock markets around the world, I think they will be lower in uh, US, in Europe, in probably in Japan, but higher in Hong Kong. Uh, because Hong Kong is really at a very low point, and China is at a very low point. But what, the, the, the big issue that we have in both uh, Hong Kong and China is the fact that the property market in China is absolutely decimated. And that will be an area where a lot of focus will be made and need to resolve. And if, if it gets resolved, then I, I think that from about the second half of next year, we will start to see a recovery. And, the mo and, and, and although the U.S. President, presidential election will not be helping, I do think that the ongoing improvement between the U.S. and China in their relations will be a good thing, and I think that will open up the markets a little bit more. You said, higher, you said that Hong Kong and China are at a low point. You said Hong Kong will be higher, but you didn't say where you thought China would be, up or down. Um, I think China will be up. From here. And up for you, does that mean beating targets of 5.5% growth? I mean, if China's at 2%, that's, that's not a win. Yeah, I, mean, I think, it, I think it will be probably so more than 5% growth. More than 5% growth for, for China, okay, which, which I think could be considered a win given recent growth yes. trends. It's not the old yes. days of 7.8%. No, were... no, I think we've gone past that for a long while. Okay, sounds good. Well, gentlemen, we have some hard predictions. We are going to have to uh, put that in the book and come back for this week next year. Uh, great to have you guys on the show for my last uh, day at Money Talk this year. Stuart Aldcroft, Asia Fund Management Industry Consultant, and Barry Wood, RTHK's international correspondent. Thank you very much both for coming on the show.